Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Um, today, I got Aaron Gendel with us. So welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks so much, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. Of course. Grateful to have you here. Um, so kick us off. Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, so I'm an author, a podcast host like yourself, Tyler, and also have a university where I help others write books, really after that self-help uh, market, trying to help others help others with their stories uh, and, and books, and believe they're a really big part of who I am now and the journey that I've been on. I started off this journey about five years ago, didn't really know it then, but I got really sick did all this work internally and, you know, with my health to get better. And I did, I had a, been diagnosed with a chronic disease and without medication, got myself better. And even to a point where I run now ultra Spartan races and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I mean, uh, if you're cool, let's start there. Can you share what the disease is or no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's called Crohn's and, Oh, okay. Seems, seems to be a little more prevalent these days. A lot of people having, you know, either IBS or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Those uh, uh, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's are in that IBD or irritable bowel disease bucket, and then, and then okay. there's IBS. So yeah, it's it's. I had uh, been diagnosed with Crohn's, and yeah, I just fought through it, and and uh, here now telling other people about it. I wrote about it in my book called Conquest, uh, 10 Simple Steps to Conquer Life and Leave a Lasting Legacy. Okay. And what are, um, I actually, I literally had a phone conversation with one of my business partners earlier today. Um, and he was sick last week and I didn't know it, but then he told me it was because he has Crohn's. So what is that? What is it like to have Crohn's? Yeah. Well, yeah, just to give you background into that, disease it's it varies between individuals and it can be you know mild for some people and then it can be very severe and debilitating i mean some people have to get i think about 50 percent they say get to a point where they have to have, eventually have surgeries and to basically cut out sections of their intestines um, the disease basically sort of like it eats away at your intestinal lining and, and starts to get into, uh, I guess, embed into your intestinal linings and, and infect it in a way that causes, you know, symptoms like, you know, uh, well, I had very flu-like symptoms when I was sick for personally. And I know there's, you know, all the way down to swelling of joints and uh, just kind of debilitating, giving you a lot of, you know, not giving you, allowing you to have a lot of energy to do what you want to do. Got it. You know, what's weird, man, and I think Crohn's is, is probably worse, but I literally just discovered, have you ever heard of Gilbert's syndrome? Yeah, yeah. Dude, so I, I, okay, so I've been having the weirdest symptoms for the past, like, year and a half, two years, and I had no idea what it was, and, dude, I literally went to the hospital a few times over it, like, my oh, stomach, wow, nausea, dizziness, like, crazy things were happening. I was, like, literally hallucinating. I was telling people this. I'm like, yo, this is oh, terrible. Man. And, um, but it was really random. It would happen every like four or five months, just randomly. And then it would stick around for like a few weeks and then disappear. 
And finally, and after enough times, uh, I think I went to the hospital, I don't even know, three to four times or something. And um, it, it just kept coming up. My Billy Rubin, everything, they're like, everything's fine. It's just your Billy Rubin is high. And then I started huh. doing research and it's a small percentage, right? Like, I don't know what the percentage of people that have Crohn's are, but um, for, for Gilbert syndrome, it is literally like one, or it's like 3% of the population has it. And then of those 3%, um, like 90% or something have no symptoms. And then oh, wow. 10% though can have very severe like symptoms. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the one that got me, man. <laughs> oh, one. dang, man. Um, have so, you got it under control now or how, how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, a, a lot better. Um, now that I know what, like, because there's things that cause your Billy Root, like this is going into like a doctor episode. I like this. <laughs> Uh, no, it's good though. That now everybody listening has a background. <laughs> um, but there's uh, there's things that can cause like it's not um, like life threatening at all apparently. Because um, uh, when you have it, that's what happens is your bilirubin like some like builds up in your liver or something. Which if there's other markers that are off, that can be something bad. But if it's only the bilirubin and you have Gilbert syndrome, um, it's not life threatening. But you can have you know the symptoms that I was uh, explaining and. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very diet related um, and yeah. stress, stress and diet. So um, like I said, every four or five months, it would just like flare up. Um, so now I just eating a healthier diet. It's almost like forced me to be healthier. So I almost see it as like a blessing in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really what happened to me. I, I did a ton to switch up how I was eating and the, to better manage my stress. So it's yeah. very similar. Meditation, <laughs> meditation's back. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how many books have you written? Uh, so I just did the one I published earlier this year and um, doing up a bunch of others. Uh, a lot of my podcasts, I interview authors every day. So I've got a ton of content now. Um, you know, I've only started podcasting maybe four months ago, but I've got over a hundred episodes uh, published out there at least. And um, yeah, so I want to turn some of that into books and I've got some of that going and then others uh, are just kind of in the back of my mind. I love it, dude. We're very similar. This is so you're 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 all in on the podcast then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been uh, reaching out to a lot of New York Times bestsellers, got some on the show. So yeah, it's been fun just like seeing who you can reach out to and connect with and just uh, push the limits, you know? Yeah, for everybody listening, it is like it is actually the favorite part of the, of uh, everything that I do. It really is. I um I just love the podcast. So when when did you kind of did you know you were gonna like it before, or did you do like I don't know like ten interviews, and then you're like, oh man, I'm going, I'm just going all in. Yeah, it's a mix of both probably because I got, I got inspired by it in a conference I was at a couple years ago. It's called Thrive, uh, but I. Uh, on stage, and I'm sure you know who this is, uh, I saw John Lee Dumas speak and yep. hadn't heard about him actually before because I just hadn't been into the podcasting world at that point, but just, you know, was really inspiring his story and how successful he'd been and how many amazing people he was able to interview just by having a podcasting platform. So that really inspired me to believe like, hey, this is possible. And not only is it possible, like he made it possible to do like a daily interview podcast, which is what I do now as well. And uh, I don't think without that inspiration, I, or I wouldn't have even tried or believed that it was possible because 
I guess a lot of people told him it wasn't possible because he thought they thought that was just way too many people to be able to get lined up and you know just do yeah. it all which it is it's a lot of work you just have to be very organized and create systems that automate processes and schedule sure. your zoom calls and all that stuff right um well, so yeah yeah what are you what are you using as a like i use anchor what do, what do you use for your yeah yeah i use anchor as well as zoom i use acuity scheduling uh, those are some of the key pieces and then i do a lot of i've done web development for a long time so like whipping out web pages and like i use thrive thrive themes their architect builder and just set up stuff uh processes and flows with different pages and yeah just made it made it all simple so and so you're interviewing authors T tell us more about like the format of the show and then in some cases are these people are you're using it to grow the business as well i'm assuming right yeah exactly everything kind of leads back to um to the university i've got right now and then the different coaching stuff some of it's like uh I've got other ways I help authors also get on podcasts, which I really believe in helping them to promote their books. I think a lot of authors need that. And I know you do that a lot, Tyler. You're very into <laughs> marketing and promoting, but I, I, I try to help them get on podcasts, which I've been able to do successfully, um, quite a bit successfully off this list that I built, which has like over 800 self-help podcasts and those that are active and have guests on their show. So I created this list. I'm using it to get myself on podcasts and then using LinkedIn as well um, okay. to do some of that. So, to, and tell us more about the, well, actually, before we get to the university, where, um, with the first book you wrote, can you tell us a little bit like behind the scenes of the process um, of writing it? Because a lot of listeners for this show are aspiring authors. So yeah. I would like to hear people's different procedures, if you will, of how, of how you wrote the book. Yeah, so some of the things I have in the university, I think I, I kind of had to learn as I went a little bit, you know, and I did a lot of digging and read books. And uh, for the first book, um, I'm taking a different approach for my others a bit, but I did, I used some of the, this process. I mean, really, it was a, it was very much a passion project. And I, I did start writing it and along the way. So I, I, I just started writing really. And kind of developed a style because I'd done uh, a lot of blogging. And so I, I had done blogging for a while and, and had a style there and um, followed guys like uh, John Morrow. I think he's really great for like just writing. And I, I tried to use a style similar to that because I really think we're getting to that age in technology where like we want like short paragraphs, we want, you know, more white space, like just, feel like that's uh, where things are headed, especially now with eBooks and people wanting to read online a lot. Um, so I tried to approach the book writing from that standpoint and just make it very conversational. And parts of the book I also did um, just, I recorded myself walking through, you know, an outline of a chapter. And then I, I actually would get that edited and transcribed and edited and um, put back to me. And then I'd I'd move things around and, you know, tweak it to a little more of my, my style. So that was one little tip that I learned along the way that I didn't use from the beginning that, that really helped kind of speed up the book writing process. Um, yeah. 
Okay, and then for your university, what um, what all do you like teach? Like, what is the an outline, if you would? Yeah, so I've got a couple of different ones, and it's very much again focused on, you know, uh, nonfiction. More, I it's more how to self help type style books, and you know, a simple one of the simplest outlines is really just starting with, hey, well, what what problem is it that the reader might face and and diving deep into that in sort of your introduction and then saying hey where's the opportunity for this person or you know and 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 just really simple simply laying out you know a three to five step process to get you know to provide the solution to get them quicker um or sorry get them closer to whatever goal or desire they're trying to achieve or to reduce the, you know, whatever they're trying to work themselves away from, right? Um, so that's, mm -hmm. that's like the very simplest probably structure. But I also believe that that's ultimately what people are wanting nowadays a little more, where at least from the feedback I've gotten, even from some of the authors, they, they all talk about, hey, I wish my book was a little shorter. And I wish um, I hadn't spent three years on it. And, and instead, I turned out this book and and their next books you know after they've written their first or second maybe went the traditional publishing route they decide hey i'm going to go self-publishing because man, i don't have to spend the extra time working through all that process and uh get, getting you know taking two years of my life away and doing that instead maybe publishing a book in three or four months right mm -hmm. got it so and then as far as um marketing i guess do you go over any uh mark i mean you have the 800 podcast which i I think it's huge and just want to highlight real quick because it's um, it obviously took you a lot of time to build that, but I like it too though. And I want to word this in a way of just like anybody could go out and take the time and do that. And, yep. but it's so valuable because what you've done for somebody that has a self-help book, you just like, I don't know how long that took you, but probably more than one day, you know what I mean? Like a long time. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know that these are like good shows. So um, just as like an added benefit to all the people that work with you, I mean, that's, that's huge. And um, so I don't know, I just, I wanted to point that out because I think some people overthink um, uh, marketing and it can be complex in ways, but at the end of the day, you know, you, it's, you did something that others could do, but you actually did it. And now it's really valuable, you know? So, and I'm sure you add to it all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to keep it up to date and yeah, I'm proving it out. Right. I, I really believe in like doing whatever it is that you say you're can help people with, you know, uh, don't BS people. Right. Uh, if you, if you're, uh, saying this list, like I wanted to say, Hey, this list is valuable. Well, ultimately prove it. out. I mean, I knew it'd be valuable because it's like direct e emails to people, uh, the hosts themselves, right. And, or, and, or their assistants that could get you on the show. And some of these shows are, you know, hugely popular, right? They might just one episode and might have thousands and thousands of downloads. So if you get on it, that's a lot of great free advertising for your book. Um, but I been actually working through the emailing process and all the processes and I've landed dozens of gigs now through this, um, you know, just through the process that I'm taking just with this single list. Um, and that's not including, you know, LinkedIn and other plat the other platform process that I'm using. So um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you kind of just, I think what holds people back mostly if they even have the list in front of them is a bit of fear. So I think that's, 
I just point that out. I think uh, you, know, you really have to say, hey, what am I trying to do? And if you've spent all this time writing a book and no one hears about it, you know, and of course, if one person I believe hears about it and they, they get help from it, I, I believe that's valuable. But wouldn't yeah. you want more and more people to know about and hear about it? And I believe podcasting and guest podcasting is just a, a great way to do that, especially um, if you are, uh, you know, in addition to whatever the promotions you're, you're running. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think um, with it too, it, it's just, it's so many other, there's so many other things that help to benefit things that are not like directly. Right. So I think that it's getting out of the mindset of having such a direct um, approach, meaning like the podcast and the reason I do a show and the reason you do a show, there's multiple reasons. Like sometimes the people I interview become clients. Sometimes the people I interview that share it with their audience, one of their people become clients. They get in front of my audience. We connect like me and you are connecting because of yeah. the podcast. Um, so there's Absolutely. just, if you can kind of get your brain out of the box um, in my mind in 2020, if you like talking to people, I don't know why you don't have a podcast. <laughs> like I think it's the best thing ever. Um, yeah, I totally agree. So now in the beginning, did you say you run marathons or what were you saying that, that you did? Yeah. So I got into running Spartan races and, um, I went, I, I well, so I went, uh, balls out, I guess you might say I, <laughs> Uh, not literally, but I, when I, when I got sick, I, uh, I said, Hey, you know, I, I really got into the mindset of like setting really big goals and I'd never literally never ran a Spartan race before. And if no one, if I'm sure people, most people have heard about it, but really it's just about running a certain distance and overcoming or, you know, trying to get through certain obstacles. Right. And so the, the race that I just mentioned, the ultra, it's called an ultra beast Spartan race. It's, 30 miles and then there's over 60 obstacles in that 30 miles um, and then you have it it's all time to where if you don't complete in a certain time then you don't finish um, so it's pretty intense and the first one the first Spartan race that I decided to run I was like I was just gonna do there's like three or four different levels and I was like I'll do some of the smaller ones and I was like hey am I really that scared I, I really believe that if like you have the right goals like you're gonna be a little scared or a lot scared even and so I was like, Hey, this race scares me because I've literally never run a marathon or, you know, I, I, I work, you know, I've been to fitness and, uh, I you know played a lot of like sports when I was younger, but never long distance races. And so, yeah, I, I just set a goal to do it, man. And I did it and got through it and it was, yeah. it was a blast. So what is your, I like to ask this question. I started asking this recently because like high performers like yourself, um, physically and uh, in business, I'm always curious what you do when you're not working, because I think that that is maybe even more important than what you're doing uh, when you are working. So like, what is your like morning routine, nightly routine diet? Like, what are you doing to actually have the body and mindset to run a Spartan race and then to do a hundred podcasts in four months, like things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd love to dive into, into those. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty busy, man. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned, I also have four kids and a wife and a dog and yeah, so yeah, I, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think busy is good. I think, uh, I think yeah. an empty calendar, as I, you, we talked about calendars and you said yours is 
yours is full and and mine is too man and i i couldn't agree more that i would rather have it be full than empty <laughs> and oh, yeah. i think i think having that having stuff going on on also gives you energy right like if you don't have it going on and kind of it just it almost like it deflates you in a way where you're not excited about life and i think that's probably a big key um you know, I'll get to more specifics on your question, but just being excited about what you have going on is going to give you the energy to make all these things happen. At least it has for me. Uh-huh. And I think as far as some of the logistics, I really have to be very strict with my time, um, having the kids and, you know, getting them to school and all that stuff. I, I have pretty subtle things I do. Uh, just a quick example. I drive my kids to school every morning and it's actually a little further. Uh, I send them to a a different uh, school than just the the local public school. And so I drive them there. And as part of that, I actually spend time with them and it helps me. So I, I actually go over like positive affirmations with them. And we actually talk about what they're grateful for today and just kind of setting the mood for the day in that way. Um, it helps them and it really helps me because I go through it with them. Um, so that's one kind of trick. I, I try not to just... Um, I think it's a great way to help your kids if you do have kids. And if you, even if you don't, it's something kind of practice like that in the morning to get yourself on the right foot. Um, yeah. I think working out is great. If you can do it in the morning, I'm actually, I have a harder time fitting it into like my pre morning, uh, which I think is ideal, but I, I work out every single day. And I just, I feel like that's actually probably one of the most important parts. And I know that's kind of part of work, but I almost consider it like as, like it's a daily ritual that I have to go through in order to like get my mind in the right mindset to have energy to do all the work that yeah. I want to do all that stuff. Right. Um, so if you're not, if you're not working out, you're, you're, you're leaving energy on the table. I believe you're, uh, you're not. Without you know, it. I don't function without it. That's why I'm like, this is mandatory, dude. Like yeah. if, I, if I don't do cardio uh, at the gym or a long walk in the morning, my day is, uh, it ain't right, man. Don't feel right. So, I, <laughs> I'm an every day too, and it's got to be the morning. Yep. Yeah, I try to make it as early as I can. I usually get there by. I have a few meetings and do a few things in the morning after I take the kids to school. But then I hop hop over there as quickly as I can and get that energy. I usually stay up late and I try and I try to get to bed and give myself the you know I usually get about seven hours of sleep, which is I think. I think on the edge of maybe not enough, but I think that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah. And, and I, I usually usually use the night to do a lot of my work because I, my family is super important to me and I do try to make that time for them. So when I'm not working, that's really what I'm doing. And I try to um, just make the most out of it and have fun and, and goof around. And we live close to the beach. So we go there all the time. We swim and uh, sure. just, just try to have fun and, and enjoy my family, enjoy life. And, and then otherwise I leverage the nighttime. I'll usually work when the kids are asleep to almost midnight sometimes to just do everything I need to do. Uh, even talk to clients or do interviews. Um, so yeah, I, I try to make the most of that every minute. I don't really believe in it's like, Hey, here's an eight hour day or really because I'm just excited about what I'm doing. So it doesn't really matter how much time I put in because I'm just excited about the next thing. And even on the weekends, I'm like, Hey, Oh, whatever time it takes, because I'm just ex happy to do it. Well, 
great because I, I think the root of all that it just goes to show you that like a prerequisite before like getting into a flow state with your work um before being productive before being like just really energized about it is you have to really love it and that's how me and you are with the book business that's how me and you are with podcasts i mean you've proved yeah. it that many interviews in four months um i, I think we're i'll call us kind of equal because i i did like 1500 in about two years but i did not have four kids and a wife so <laughs> 1500 is amazing man that's awesome <laughs> it is but i think if i gotta say if i had four kids i don't think i'd be at 1500 <laughs> um, so but um it's it's incredible man it, it really is so uh a question for you when you're working with because uh, you have the university you also do like consulting and work one-on-one -on -one with people or just it's just uh the, in the course format yeah it's it's both yeah but normally what i try to do to provide more value and um or at least a different type of value some people maybe can walk themselves through it by themselves and then i i for so for some i allow that but then others i walk them through the course and just provide that one-on-one -on -one support while we're doing it um so yeah I do, I do that coaching as well got it so so yeah i'm curious can you tell uh, and you know maybe you can't use a name maybe you can but can you tell an example of somebody that I guess, you know, they came, they started with your course or they worked with you one-on-one -on -one or kind of that middle ground and you walked them through the process to like discover what they were going to write about all the way to the finish line? Yeah, I'll try to sum that up. I mean, really uh, a lot of the, you know, the I have videos and course work that really goes through this, but yeah, I think part of a big part of, of, writing is figuring out uh what what you want to write about as you said right um so that that process is something we really focus on when i'm working on uh with my my students we a big i think part of what i recommend is for especially since i'm focused on self-help space is just yeah. really to find that thing that uh, a lot of the authors that i work with are overcoming something like i have right so that's a big part of my story and what i have been able to do with my book. And um, so I focus on that for people that, a lot of the authors I interview have like overcome um, alcoholism or um, many numerous of tragedies in their life. And they wanna share with other people and they wanna write about what it's helped them do and become. And so, uh, you know, beyond, beyond that, I think the over resounding theme for me when I talk about figuring out what to write about it is just finding the thing that you're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be something you've overcome. It could, it could be your job. It could be um, maybe just even something you're interested in doing and you want to interview a bunch of people on a podcast to figure out what it's all about and how they did it. Right. Um, so that's, that's a, one of the first parts of, yeah, what, what steps you need to take to, to me to write a book, you got to figure out what that's about uh, and what, what you ultimately want to do with it. I mean, if you want to launch a business, it's, it's a much different approach than, I mean, it doesn't have to be a whole totally different approach, but to me, it's a different mindset than saying, Hey, I want to write this book, get it out there to help others. And to me, just by doing that, like opportunities will come and flow your way, right. By getting on other podcasts and whether you want to coach or whatever, but then you might have a mindset, maybe you already have a business and you just want to write a book to help um, you know, lead into your services and your offerings. 
And, and so I think that's just a, you know, a different mindset. It doesn't have to be a totally different approach. But yeah, after that, you, you just quickly, I mean, you, you really need to hone in on, on discovering what your outline is going to be. And that can be using things like mind mapping. Um, it can be used, be using a standard template uh, or a template that I've gotten my university or others that I've put out there and really recommend just people to keep it simple, not overthink it. And I think getting to that first draft super key. And I mentioned this before, but really if I, uh, the books that I'm working on now, what I'm really doing is just spending a good time on my outline. But once I have that and done whatever research I need to, is just speaking through my outline, recording it, sending it to an editor and having them make it more conversational. And then my draft is 90% done at that point. So that's, that's like, to me, the quickest way to get there. And then from, from there, you know, of course there's back and forth with the editing and, um, you know, different rounds of editing and you can go as deep or as long as you want there. And I talked to authors where they're like, yeah, I spent three or four years on editing, but I, again, I recommend, you know, there's one quote I, I like to refer is basically, um, perfectionism is the killer of progress. I think that's how it goes. And, and so I try not to allow my students to overthink it. And there's, there's a reason they have version two and three of your book, right? And, and if you want to take that step, I think the most important thing is to get it out there and then spend more time on promoting your book. And um, whether that's your services like you have, Tyler, to get your book out there, like if you want to become a bestseller and, or there's, um, you know, the podcasting, which I, I really believe if a lot of the authors, or if, if you are an author and like, you don't have as much money to spend, perhaps, um, yeah. even if you do have money for spend, actually, I mean, you should leverage podcasts. I mean, you see all the big name authors out there leveraging podcasts, whether that's, you know, Tim Ferriss or any of these, right? Like they're, they're always using that and getting ahead of the book promoting process. And I think you could probably speak more to it than me even, but I think a lot of authors I've spoken to really fall short of spending the time up front and like getting the launch team they need in place to help support uh, a launch and, you know, getting the like reviews they need and, and just having that credibility. So that's where uh, I think uh, they, the authors uh, emphasize just having, having that, um, uh, plan in place to make that happen and um, there's you know I, I have a promotional strategy I recommend uh, that that I think will help people get there and a lot of it's heavily based on you know trying to get on podcasts either before if you can or if you're not as maybe you don't have as big a resume and it's harder to do and maybe some of them might not accept you until after you've published your book and that's fine because um, literally, I mean, I published my book and I didn't start getting onto podcasts several months later because I was like, Oh, Hey, I discovered this thing and this list now I got, and, and you can keep promoting the same book for years, right? You don't have to, um, necessarily write another book to, to do that, but obviously you, it, it probably couldn't hurt <laughs> to write another book as well. And I always encourage people to write more than one book. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think podcasts, I mean, you're just missing out if you're not getting on podcasts. I mean, there it is booming. Audio is booming, and I think you know, turn your books into audio books too. Yeah. Uh, 
it's just a thing, man. Like when I go out on a long walk, um, you know, we both live in Florida. Um, you know, I'm listening to audiobook or podcast and like a little music mixed in in between. Um, and yep. that's it. I mean, and I think with how things are moving with the world, like it's just interesting how the radio um, kind of came back just in a different format. Um, and it's because we're all, you know, like you were saying, like our schedules are packed and not everybody's like that, but you know, we're busy. There's a lot more going on now. So like, while we work out, we want to learn and you can't really do that with a physical or like a video because you won't be able to see where you're going. So audio is the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah. It's funny, but I just think, uh, maybe that's kind of the, um, the underlying root of this, uh, of this episode here is it's just like. Audio is is huge. It keeps coming back to that. And if you're yeah. not on it yet, I mean, you like you use Anchor too. It's it's um again getting the systems and all set up is is hard. Um, but the Anchor just getting your podcast up that ain't that hard. Um, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So exactly. just get started. Just try it and then adapt. Um, so yeah, that was. Go I was going to say uh, that was probably the other thing I didn't mention when I'm not working i you know i am doing exactly what you said i either i'm working out listening to audio uh either on a podcast or an audiobook um when i'm doing the dishes after dinner all that right like i make the most of my time to keep learning and i think that's probably the one of the biggest mistakes i've made in my life was I, there was a time i went through uh you know, just a period of time and not investing in myself as much as I should have. So I definitely encourage anybody listening to do exactly what you said, uh, pick up something you like and enjoy listening to that's helpful that can just keep you moving forward in your life and making you a better person. So, so one of my last questions for you is like, what's the, what's the goal? Like where, where, where are you taking things with the podcast, the university? Um, what's uh, like your dream uh, or like, what's the next couple of years looking like for you? Yeah, so I I think it's with the podcasting, I'm really focused now on um, getting just not that I think everybody has a story. So I'm, I'm using it as a platform also to help the students who go through my university to get their books out there. I feel a real passion about just helping people, uh, helping authors, especially get their message out there. And with the podcast, I'm also just trying to push the limits of who I have on my show, you know, from presidents to, you know, Oprah to, to anybody I can think of and just whoever's the most scariest to ask and to have on the show. Like that's how I'm trying to push uh, the podcast and just try to push the limits of where I think uh, I can take it. And I mean, from my own podcasting, I plan on, I'm still promoting my book and I have dozens of podcasts lined up already. I'm using it as a template example. I want to launch a course to, to help others also, like just uh, see exactly what I did uh, to land, you know, I'm sure this year I'll be on a hundred podcasts, you know, so that'll be something that I'm trying to do. Uh, I think I see podcasting is nothing more than another stage. And so that's also where I want to push myself um, here in the next year or two to be on multiple stages. And there's really simple ways to do that. I've actually discovered even things like rotary clubs, like for those who are interested in speaking, you can get onto uh, contact the rotary club. Um, I guess those who are organizing that in your area and there's tons of them, like just in my area, like within 
like a 30 mile area radius, there's probably um, close to 25 rotary clubs or something like that, you know? Oh, and wow. So that's a cool tip. If uh, none of your listeners have heard that before, uh, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm doing right now to get on stage and you can sell your books there. Um, I've, I've know people that have gone there and they'll sell over a thousand dollars with their book just by presenting at a rotary club and you go for, you can go for free. You don't necessarily even have to pay you, but Hey, you can sell, if you can sell a thousand dollars of your book. Hey, that, that might be worth it to you. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, one of my buddies in the industry told me that he does this, he, he's in Texas. And um, he was saying too, can you actually explain like, what is a rotary club and who, who's there? Isn't it kind of like pretty high level business people in it usually? Um, there's different um, purposes, I guess, for like, different organizations. Uh, I'm sorry, not different organizations, but different, like, uh, I want to say the the people that are running the specific Rotary Clubs have different uh, maybe agendas, but they're always looking for speakers and, and they're really um, altruistic. Um, like they, they really help people to, I think with the environment and just pro solving world problems essentially. So oh, that's, 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 that's a big part of like fighting disease or promoting peace, you know, clean water, supporting education, um, local economies, things like that. So that's, that's what Rotary, Rotary clubs are about. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, that's cause yeah, he was saying he's also in the publishing business and he was saying he's gotten some clients, um, where he he's written, um, this guy's crazy. He's written like 14 or 15 books. Um, and he'll go and, but you know, he'll talk, he has a course as well, like how to get published and everything and he'll talk. And then sometimes he says he's gotten clients from these. So just, um, you know, letting the audience know that this is the second time you're, you're the second person that's told me about it. So must be, uh, working somewhat, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's, you know, you need to start somewhere and I think it's a great way to start. Not that it can't be fruitful for you to, um, to just do that, but um, it can lead to promoting your other services, obviously, and then other big stages, right? I mean, there's tons of conferences and people that need speakers and you then eventually can get into very lucrative uh, speaking gigs, you know, from 5,000 to $50,000 a speaking engagement, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's another place I wanna take what I'm doing and and I think uh, others can can get there as well. I think it's just, being open to being scared to get get there and I, I think what I think helped me along the way with uh, podcasting helped me a lot in that area because if you start to just do those things that you're scared to do and a lot of time people are scared to talk to other people you know especially in our digital age like from text messaging to whatever right we we tend to almost stray away from like an actual phone conversation and I, I think if you can get past your fear to, to either like, Hey, start your own podcast and maybe it starts there. And then eventually it leads to, Hey, I'm going to speak at this, this Rotary club. And, and then eventually it might be, you know, at growth con or, you know, by grand Cardone's growth con or something, you know, like, I think, I think you, you work your way past some of those smaller fears and then eventually those things aren't scary anymore. Like podcasting now. And I remember my very first episode, I was like, 
pretty nervous. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you felt that way, Tyler, but I, I felt that uh, way. No, I, I actually was a little bit. I mean, my first, um, just so people know, I think this is good for them to know because it's going along with what you're saying. My first thousand interviews, I asked the same eight questions and they, they were shorter. Like I literally, to get to this point of having like feeling comfortable of doing just open conversation and not like running, you know what I mean? Cause a lot of things go throughout your mind. Like, am I going to run out of questions to ask? Um, yeah, sure. Sure. What, what flow well. So I literally, and, and I actually got to a point where I started not to like the podcast because I literally was asking the same questions <laughs> over and yeah. to yeah. me, it got kind of robotic. Cause I, there was none, there was none of my personality in it. Um, yeah. so either way, I mean, people still like really actually liked them because they were the really deep questions, but, um, I started to lose the love for it. And I was just like, I can't do it anymore. Like I, I have to open this up to do it the way I want to do it, which is the way we're doing it right now. Um, awesome. which is open conversation. Um, but it, uh, the only thing I'm getting at is it took me a thousand episodes to realize that, <laughs> So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's wild, but, um, yeah, the first episode, I remember I was, I really had no idea what I was doing. Like I was recording it in Anchor and I was just like, I don't even know if this is actually recording right now. <laughs> and um, Yeah, like the first probably 20 episodes are like pretty nutty, probably. Um, and then from that point forward, they got better and better. And now I'm just like the most comfortable ever. And just to add another thing to what you're saying, because you were saying, you know, getting people like Oprah on the show. I think it comes down to like, it is, you get smarter and smarter, right? Wisdom as you do more and more, but it's also a numbers game, right? So yeah. I really believe in that. Like you can't, and this is something that I've actually never been afraid of is just, is just asking. So like when I first started the podcast, I and my team on Instagram and LinkedIn, we, there, the sky, like, dude, I have a DM out to Tony Robbins still that he hasn't read <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in Instagram because like, I don't care. I'm like, I, that's awesome. I, Tony's impacted my life. I'll DM him and may, maybe he'll read it three years from now and be like, yo, man, my bad. I was a little busy. <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> Probably not, but you know, but maybe. Um, so yeah, I'll, you never know, right? I'll DM anybody and everybody. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, and Instagram's rules on this has kind of changed. So you can only do so many DMs now before they actually start to like limit you. But um, if you do, if you DM, let's say 50 people a day, the chances of you getting a couple of responses is really high. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so it's, it's a numbers thing too. Um, so I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is hit up Dr. Phil too, and maybe you'll get one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've started to get tactical a bit, and this might help your, your listeners yeah. as well. One thing that's helped me, I believe, to land some of the interviews I've been uh, able to get on here and have scheduled in the near weeks uh, I've actually, I, what I realized is both people that want to get on podcasts and podcasts, um, you know, the host at the end of the day, they want to see, all right, is this guest going to help like grow my audience or like extend my audience in the same with, you know, someone who's coming on your show, like, all right, how is this 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever going to help promote whatever I'm going to promote or, you know, not everybody's thinking that way, but at the end of the day, you know, they're spending their time, which is valuable, which is, you know, our most valuable asset. And so I, I, I've, this may be a little harder for, especially those that are starting out in that space. And I was that way, right? Like 
if you looked on you know, Facebook right now, I have like a hundred likes literally, you know, for my Facebook page, Aaron Gindle, but I'm able to get on these shows. And one way I'm able to do it is I actually guarantee the hosts um, right now I'm guaranteeing them at least a post from the episode of 30,000 people being reached and targeting worldwide audiences with like in the self-help space, like guys that like people that like Tony Robbins and things like that. And yeah. I've actually found a way to do that for like less than $10. Um, at, at least on my, my ad spend on the last several promotions have been under $10 to do that. And so it, to me, it's like totally worth being on podcasts that, especially bigger name podcasts that have a huge audience, you never know where they'll lead. And if you're going to spend $10 to me, that's super worth it. Um, so, and then it only helps you, right? The more you promote yourself, you're essentially promoting yourself with your money. Right. Um, yeah. No, I love it. That's, um, that's the thing too, is it, the thing with a podcast is it's a triple win. It's a win for you. It's a win for the guest, and it's a win for the audience. Yeah, uh, exactly. I like triple wins, man. So come on, <laughs> let's get on some podcasts. Um, so uh, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. If, if there's anything else you want to share, man, uh, go for it. I know, you know, you're very knowledgeable in the space and literally the people you're talking to on this show, um, these are your people. So um, if there's anything else, go for it. And then if not, uh, the floor is yours to share like the university website, social media, where's the best place for people to connect with you and uh, grab the course if, if they're interested. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Uh, I guess I'll just end with, uh, I think the resounding thing I was trying to put across is, you know, don't let fear stop you, whatever it is you're trying to do. And there's a lot of fear, especially when it comes to writing a book. And I believe, um, yeah, you really just have to find a way to push past it, right? And, and really try to approach it as fast as you can, because you, you end up, thinking about things too long and, and you, <laughs> you don't let your, you know, you let it overcome you. Right. So I think that's probably what I leave everybody with is don't let fear stop you and, and keep dreaming of bigger things that might excite you in your life to, to want to actually do them, you know, try to have big things you're reaching for. And that's really true. What I'm trying to do and just be an example for whoever else and help as many people do it along the way. Yeah. Otherwise you can uh, reach out to me. I'm at dailyauthors.com. That's my podcast. If you are an author and you want to get on there, definitely reach out to me. Love to have you on the show. And you can also find my university at writeabookuniversity.com. And there, if you go to writeabookuniversity.com forward slash free, there's a free little course you can get to help you on your journey to write a book. If you're already writing one, great. Um, just keep at it and get it out there as quick as possible. I think a lot of people need to hear your message. Yes, man. I love it. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it, man. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.